If everybody could turn to John chapter 1, I would really appreciate that. We're not going to stay there very long. We're going to go to Luke 5 real quick here. But if you want to go to John 1 first, and then get ready for a quick change to Luke 5, we'll go there. And I'm over, uh, I mean, everybody, not everybody, many of us know when you read the first verse of John 1 that it talks about the Word of God. Jesus is, in fact, the Word of God. If you look at verse 18, there's a reference there to the fact that there is God, the one and only. Some of your translations may see something slightly different, but if you look at a fairly recent NIV, you're going to see something like God, the one and only, only is in chapter 1, verse 18. And then when you look over at verse 29, it says, The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God. So we have three different titles that are kind of given to Jesus in the first chapter of John. We've got the Word of God, we've got God, the one and only, and we have the Lamb of God. Then we have this incredible incident, and I say incredible because it's the start of the relationship of Jesus with human beings in an intimate way. In verse 35 of that same chapter, it says, The next day John was there again with two of his disciples, and when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. And when the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And then Jesus says something way more significant than what we take it. He says, come, replied, and you will see. And there's, there's huge implications about you will see. It's way more than just, oh, you'll see where I live. It's like you will see everything. Then he said, or then the text says, so they went and saw where he was staying and spent the day with him. It was about the 10th hour. Now watch this. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which translated is Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. And again, it means a lot more than just following me up to Galilee. We're talking here about following Jesus through his life. Now, flip back in your Bibles to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5, verse 1. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, which is, by the way, the same thing as the Sea of Galilee, with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, we just saw Simon over in John chapter 1, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. I remember years ago watching a movie as a kid about Jesus and I didn't really know anything about Jesus, but I was watching this movie and there was this scene where Jesus is down on the Sea of Galilee and as he walks along in this long white gown, almost glowing as he walks along the seashore, he turns to these fishermen and just says, follow me. And then he continues to walk and the fishermen are absolutely mesmerized. And so they see Jesus kind of almost floating along the seashore, walking, and as he says, follow me, they turn, drop their nets with these starry looks in their eyes, and follow him down the seashore. 
And there's, there are no other words said. They follow him at a distance. And it's like, you know, it's like they had been totally mesmerized by this person who has just walked by them. And they follow him instantaneously. And there's no preamble to that. There's not much after that. It's just this sudden following. And, and you get this, this sense of, wow, something is going on here. Well, obviously, when you read John chapter 1 and realize that Jesus already had met Simon Peter. He already knew Andrew. And we see in John chapter 1, not very long from those verses that we'd already read, that he also actually meets John. And so when Jesus meets these guys again in Luke chapter 5, he already knows them. This is not the first encounter that he has with them. He's encountered them already. And in fact, he's very intentional about what he does here. Notice that he goes to a place on the Sea of Galilee where John and James and Simon and Andrew have their boats. He finds them. He goes to them. He's already met them. There's already some occasion for some following going on. But he goes to the spot on the lake where these guys are. So he's very intentional about going there, finding them, and stands like right next to their boats, where they've been up all night fishing. They've been up all night fishing, and now they're mending their nets, and Jesus goes to that specific spot and begins to speak. And of course, they hear him. And it's not just that they hear him, they're listening to him. Because they already met him in Judea. They've already got an occasion to follow Jesus, and now this is just one more kind of Uh, advancement beyond where they have been in order to enhance their relationship with him, for him to talk to them. And what's happened is that there is, there's already an acquaintance here, some kind of provisional relationship. And so at this point, we might say that Peter, Andrew, James, and John are indeed acquaintances of Jesus, listening to him, standing by the sea, speaking. Now, as we read the rest of the story here, we find that Jesus, as he's speaking, gets pushed back to the water. There's a crowd. Jesus has already been doing some things in terms of healing people and preaching. And so a crowd does follow him around and they have gathered here and they kind of push him back toward the water. And eventually he has to say to Peter, hey, I want you to get into your boat and I want you to take me out into the boat and I'll preach and teach from the boat. And we see very quickly that John and James also get their boat and kind of follow Peter and Andrew, obviously, with their boat out into the water, and Jesus begins to teach them. So he teaches, and the people listen. They had been listening while they were mending their nets, and there had been some hearing there, and again, they're they're acquaintances with him already, and so something's going on. But then you can imagine the way they get into the boat, and it's just Jesus now, and Peter and Andrew in the boat, and John and James maybe are over in their boat. There is obviously more occasion for hearing. And so the whole time that Jesus is talking, these guys are right there listening ears wide open, they'd already met him, and now he comes directly to where they are, talking, speaking about the word of God, and they keep listening. Now, look at verse 4. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, who's in the boat with him, put out into deep water. Now, just like in chapter 1, when it says something like, follow me, put out into deep water is not just Let's go deeper out into the lake where the fish are. There's something significant about a phrase like put out into deep water. There's a challenge there to Peter. Don't just take your boat into deeper water, but in fact, take your life into something deeper. 
That's what's really going on here. Put out into deep water. And then the same thing with the phrase, let down the nets for a catch. Something more is going on than just letting some nets out. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. Notice he says master. The word there is the same word that can be Lord, Master, Sir. But he obviously sees something special about Jesus. And as we've already seen, there's a relationship beginning to be built here. There's acquaintance, at least, going on between Jesus and Simon. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. Well, you wouldn't do that just for anybody. He does that because there's something special here about Jesus. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat. Again, John and James had kind of come alongside to come and help them. So they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. Now, I don't know if he falls at his knees in the boat, or by this time they're back to shore and he falls on his knees, but something is going on here with Peter anyway. For he and all his companions, it says, were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken, and so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid, from now on you will catch men. So they pulled their boats up to the shore, left everything, and followed him. This is unreal. This, this event that takes place in the lives of these people. He has already met them. He intentionally goes to where they are. He speaks in front of these new acquaintances of him so that they hear him and have an occasion to be brought along to hear and to continue to progress in their relationship with him. And again, it's clear that they're listening the whole time to what's going on. Well, I just want to tell you what I think are the most significant things in this passage. And it all has to do with transformation. It all has to do with transformation from going from an acquaintance of Jesus's from being familiar with him, knowing Jesus at some level, to knowing Jesus at a completely different level. And so in the beginning here, there's a sense in which there's some detachment. When he comes along at the sea, uh, along the Sea of Galilee, and they're standing there mending their nets after having fished all night, they weren't necessarily expecting him. I don't think that they were waiting for him. He goes, he finds them. And then they're kind of almost casual, on-the-side listeners continuing to mend their nets as Jesus begins to speak. So they go from detached acquaintances at the beginning of the discussion to boat drivers who facilitate Jesus' teaching. And he incorporates them, begins very early here, to incorporate them into his ministry and get them to do something for him. Now they're out in the boat. Now they have to listen to every word he says. Can't get away from that. And progression has taken place. Then they go from being boat drivers to intentional collaborators with Jesus in a fishing expedition. Like he tells them now, I want you to do this. And all of a sudden, it's not just get into the boat with me and listen, but now I want you to go fish. And they become obedient servants in a sense. And he says, you know, I wouldn't do this for anybody, but because you say so, I'm going to do this. And there's progression as Peter deepens his relationship with Jesus. Well, what's the result of that? The recipients 
of this instruction and the ones who are willing to follow, all of a sudden, their nets are overflowing like they've never been before. And then it's in verse 8. Look at verse 8. Look at the way in which now Peter's eyes are incredibly opened. Up until this time, he's been doing some stuff that Jesus wants him to do. He's been at the first a casual kind of listener. But as the story goes on, all of a sudden, something dramatic and wonderful happens with Peter. And then look at verse 8, or sorry, verse 10. Notice that the same thing happens with James and John. They're the owners of the other boat. They've gone out with Peter. They're right alongside. And just as Peter has this progression of transformation take place in his life in this very short episode, James and John, it says, see the same exact thing and they're blown away just the way that Peter is blown away. And so three things that I want us to see from this that I just think are wonderful. First is this. Transformation begins with being confronted by the word of God. Peter and James and John and Andrew in the beginning are standing, mending their nets. And what is Jesus doing? It says he walks along the Sea of Galilee, standing there next to them. He begins to proclaim to this loud crowd of people. It says the word of God. Now, what does our Bibles say about the word of God? It says that the word is living and active, that it's powerful, that it's able to separate bone and marrow, soul and spirit. Something happens within the life of an individual who listens to the word of God. And even if you're over there mending your nets, but Jesus is around. Jesus is somehow present before you speaking word of God. Something begins to happen in the human heart when that takes place. Something powerful is here, something transformative in this teaching of Jesus, the word of God. And then, when you're in the presence of Jesus, when you hear the word, you cannot remain a detached listener. And so something happens to these guys. They go from mending their nets to a casual relationship in the boat to following Jesus' instructions about setting out the nets, to finally Peter throwing down his life, finding himself on his knees, crying out before Jesus, get away from me, I'm a sinful man. And something has happened within his heart as the word of God has confronted him and Jesus' presence has confronted him and he becomes a different person. He can't remain a detached listener when he is confronted with Jesus in this way. And so he'd already met Jesus. It clearly took a while for things to percolate, for him to get to where he needed to be. But there comes a point in the human heart when you realize that something is happening between you and Christ and a response is in order. And so you go from a detached mender of nets to a disciple who falls on his knees and cries out essentially, woe is me, the way that Isaiah did. Lord, I'm a sinful man, not worthy to be in your presence. And so the third thing that happens is, it's a transformed man who is here. He goes from being a listening but detached net mender to one who, is tra- who cries out to Jesus and now who is ready to fish for men. And so there's this call at the end where Jesus says, I'm going to make you fishers of men. What's the basis for that? 
How do you go from being a fisher of fishes, which in its own way is significant, but not hardly what it means to be a fisher of men? How does that happen? And it happens because there is a transformed heart. And so you and I sit here today hearing the word of God. Jesus confronts us in this story. He confronts you and me with his word. And he, and he says to us in a very specific way, are you going to be casting your nets for me? Are you going to hear what I have to say to you? And on that, are you willing to act? And so we have to move past being detached listeners who mend nets to those who cry out in wonder at the presence of God in our lives. You know, sometimes in the church, we wonder why we're not more successful at reaching the world. Why is it that the world doesn't come to Jesus more through our ministry? Why don't we have more impact on the world than what we do? Is it not because so many of us mend nets? And, and we hear in some detached way, but we don't really listen. And Jesus wants us to open our hearts. And when he calls us to put out into deep water, he wants us to go. When he says, cast your nets on the other side, he wants us to cast them. And we need to ask the question, each one of us, what does it mean for me to, to put my nets out again? What does it mean for me to go into deep water and to follow this one who is speaking to me word of God and asking for me and from me transformation of heart? Now, just in closing here, I just wanted to point this out. Peter, I was thinking about you. Where's Peter Roberts? I saw his face here. We have our own Peter here. And I was thinking about our own Peter and about how this guy, he's told his story before. Peter was raised in the church as a young man, pretty rebellious, didn't do what his parents told him to do, maybe even mad at them at different points. Peter, did you ever say to your dad, I hate you? Okay, so he said it with his silence. But there was, with time, something that happened. And Peter goes from being a very detached listener who heard all of this as a young guy to the point where something happens eventually in his life where he was able to really hear. And there was a huge transformation that took place as Peter, young man who was rebellious, goes off track eventually, because he has a chance to keep hearing about Jesus, is able to come back and to, to be transformed, to see something dramatic happen in his life. God worked a miracle in Peter's heart to transform him and change him. And then Peter, good man that he is, hears God's call, listens and is transformed and becomes what God wants him to be. And significant things happen when people do that. And so if you're sitting there today and there's any sense in which in your life you are lukewarm for Christ, if in any sense you are a net mender, 
I just want to encourage you this morning to listen. Listen to the word. Open your heart to transformation. See the kind of discipleship to which God calls us. And don't be surprised if, after all of that, you find yourself on your knees, crying out to God, saying, Oh, sinful man that I am, Lord, I'm not even worthy to be in your presence. Get away from me. And fortunately, what God does, what Jesus does, is instead of walking away at that point, he embraces us. He takes us in. He makes us his own and says, let's go fish for men together. That's what I want to do with your life. That's what he wants to do with your life. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the gift we have of the calling to discipleship that you give us. Thank you for your word that comes to us and transforms our hearts. Thank you for Peter Peter Roberts and people like him who hear and respond and become what you want us to be. God, we pray that you would work on every heart, every life, transform us and make us new. We pray through Jesus. Amen.